0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Split Division podcast. Tonight, I'll be your host. I am Eli Berkovitz. You can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. I am here tonight with Max with the Bears, Brett with the Vikings, and Gerbs with the Lions. You can find them all on Twitter Max at Max Markham NFL, Brett at MN Vikes Central, and uh, Gerbs at Max Gerbs on Twitter. And this week, we thought we would do something a little bit different with no live sports going on. And we just thought we, we would give the fans a bit of a background on all of us and discuss a little bit more what we've been doing throughout this quarantine, how we've been staying busy, whether it's watching a new TV show, a new activity, a hobby, a sport, whatever it is, just something to keep ourselves busy. So, uh, Max, why don't you kick us off with what you've been up to?
1: Yeah, man. Uh, I, I like to work. That's one thing I like to do. I like to spend time with my kids. But uh, one thing that I always make room for every single night is I watch a show with my wife. And so we go through Netflix and Disney Plus. So I actually went through a couple different series. That I'm embarrassed. Like, like it's not like we watch all day either. We we spend like an hour evening or an hour and a half an evening. And we, we were able to get through quite a bit. So we went through Ozark. We like that. And nice. then uh, Last Kingdom. Um, absolutely in love with that right now. Uh, I don't know if you guys have watched that yet. But I've it's kind of reserved. like... Uh,
0: so it's like a Game of Thrones style chill, right? I'm saying, yeah, what The olden, like a medieval kind of yeah, vibe.
2: Totally. I yeah, keep seeing yeah. it recommended, and I'm like, I should watch that, and then just <laughs> never yeah, do it, for it, some reason. It, it,
1: it's similar to game of thrones in the sense that it's medieval and stuff like that, but it's not fantasy like game of thrones where there's magic and dragons and it's based off true events. And obviously they throw in some nonfiction sort of drama, but it's good. Like we we've been addicted and there's like four seasons on Netflix. So I think we're on like season three and we just, we just started a little while back, but yeah, that that's pretty much, pretty much it. I think we went through a couple other series, but those were our favorites
2: for sure.
0: All right. Um, Brad, what, what have you been doing out there in
2: Minneapolis? Um, it's been a little crazy, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, sure. my wife and I actually had a kid in April. We had a, we had oh, our son man. in April, yes. so um, I think all this kind of started in March. So she was just getting to the end of her pregnancy, and oh, you know, okay. at, at times I we thought maybe I wasn't going to be able to even go into the hospital room with her. So it was kind of a stressful time, but then everything went well, and I was able to go in and everything went great. So I've been pretty busy watching the kid and it's been kind of a blessing that I've been kind of been able to stay home with her too and help her out since I haven't been able to go to work really all that much as well. So we've been kind of tag teaming that with our son and it's been good. So, you know, extra support for her and for him. So, you know, it's kind of a blessing in disguise on our end, Uh, but uh, that's also given us more time to be together and just enjoy it as well but other than that we've been watching a little netflix too as well um she, we're kind of late to the party but my wife is hooked on greys anatomy right now so i got to listen to that <laughs> kind uh, of <laughs> yeah, I feel in like the that was years ago party right i'd be late too yeah, yeah. i don't know <laughs> so i'm always looking up at that every now and then but other than that i think we watched all american as well finish that that's one a as well one. Oh, a good that show. was a pretty good one good so um but yeah. other than that yeah been super busy with our boys so
0: yeah I guess the timing, in a way, like you said, it, it was rough, but it also kind of couldn't be better. so you I right. get to for be sure. around home and Gerbs, yep. I know you're in uh, you're in up you're in upper mi- northern Michigan right now. so yeah. I guess doing a little bit of vacationing, what else have you been doing?
3: Oh, man. so quarantine started like for those listening who don't know, I teach third grade. and uh, when everything happened with uh, Covid and whatnot. I had to teach online so that kept me busy for a couple hours a day but um I just I've been trying to find ways to keep myself busy just learning new things I built a PC so that was always like that's cool one of those like I was proud about that I've been playing so much Skyrim on there just modding the crap out of it but um that's like I'm really late to the Skyrim game like I just got it and just started playing now you know 11 years late but um other than that I don't know I uh left D.C. to come back to Michigan to see my family for a while. So I'm up in northern Michigan just hanging out with some people and, uh, you know, socially distant. And, um, yeah, other than that, I don't know. I just watch everything that comes up on Netflix at this point. I'm going through, like, a series a day. And, uh, yeah, I'm just being a lazy slug, and it's wonderful.
0: (laughs) I feel the same way. Everyone's saying that they're they're sick of quarantine. I'm like, this has kind of been a dream for me because – I'm watching TV shows all day. I'm watching football, getting to do more writing, this, that. So, yeah, I mean, if you do it right, it could kind of be a great thing. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I I basically – I decided to go on NFL Game Pass. They have games early as 2009. So, last week, I started week one, 2009, and I'm just going to basically go from there through the last 10 years of Packer football – just because why the hell not? It should be fun. <laughs> watch, watch Aaron Rodgers start, start to finish. Well, not finish, but till now. And so I've been doing a lot of that, a lot of football. And honestly, like, I've been looking. Maybe you guys can have it. been looking for a new show to get into. But I've been doing a lot of rewatching. Just re-watching. It's always sunny in Philadelphia, which is, like, my go-to. Um, definitely some family guy thrown in there. You know, once you get to, like, 1, 2 a.m. and you don't even know what's happening... Family, guys, perfect way to go uh, with your night. So that's what I've been doing. But yeah, I think everyone right now is just looking for different things to do. So whether it's a show or being active, everyone listening, I hope you're doing something other than sitting around all day like me. But um, this week, for the first time on the Split Division podcast, we opened up our mailbag to the fans on Twitter and Facebook also, I believe, um, and offered anyone to send in questions, and we would discuss them on the show. We got a lot of really good ones. I don't know if we'll be able to get to all of them, but whoever sent it in, we really, really appreciate it. Keep doing it every week. We'll try to get through some each week. But um, to start us off with the first one, I think this one's interesting, kind of discussing each team. We, we brushed over it last week, but we could do it again real quick. Each team has some key free agents, you know, key guys entering the final year of their contract, the Packers maybe more than anyone, with four of their more key players entering a contract year. So, I guess um, I want to ask you guys. And this question is coming in from Tanishka Mascara. I believe she's a Vikings fan. I've seen yeah, her, I've seen her in the Viking world before. So she mm-hmm. wants to know who is most, which, which, if you had to pick one free agent on your team or one guy entering their contract year that's a lock to make. To get an extension, who would you pick? Uh, we'll start with Brad because it's uh, it's a
2: Viking fan. Um, as much as people are saying Delvin Cook and the Vikings aren't going to come to agreement, I have a hard time seeing it actually happening. Um, I don't want to pay him big money. Uh, but uh, Mike Zimmer is such a run-the-football kind of guy, and we use Delvin Cook you know, so much in our offense. I don't know how we're going to just let a guy go like that. So um, I'm hoping we don't overpay him too much, but I'm kind of confident that Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman are, you know, planning something up for Delvin Cook. And I I don't see it not happening, honestly. Um, But other than that, I hope we do get an extension with Anthony Harris as well. So that's another guy um, to team with Harrison Smith. So uh, those two guys are the biggest guys for sure. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what will happen. But um, I think, think it's leaning towards. You go ahead.
0: Do you think if Madison maybe takes another step, they could be closer to not bringing
2: him back if they don't get a deal done before the start of the season? Yeah, I you know I I think Alexander Madison is a very good running back. Um, he he averaged actually averaged more yards per carry than Delvin Cook did last year. I mean it's on more of a limited basis, but um, he's shown a lot of flashes and everything like that. He did have I think two or three fumbles last year, so that's something to look look out for but he was healthy every game unlike delvin cook um, so if they are confident in Alexander Madison I could maybe see it happening um, you know they are high on him they draft him in the third round last year even when we did have delvin cook on the roster so that says something as well so
0: I mean yeah it'll be interesting because you want to say you want to see cook have another full season because he hasn't done that yet it's mm-hmm. almost like the Aaron Jones situation they're mm-hmm. full of talent but they've only put together one full season. Right. So you're going to have to see how it goes. But, I mean, it'll be interesting. If they're forced to pay him before the start of the season, it's going to be really interesting to see how that yes, goes. So cool. But, um, all right, Gerbs, why don't you go for the Lions? Who is the, right. the number one contract your guy that is mm-hmm. a lock mm-hmm. to come back?
3: Um, well, I know I mentioned this in a previous episode, I think episode two or three, but uh, right now the Lions are looking at the fact that they only have one receiver out of their, like, 11 on their roster um, under contract after this season. And so uh I think the biggest one is Kenny Galladay. You know, it's there's a lot of guys to look at, but you're looking at the youngest and honestly probably one of the behind Stafford, he's probably the best player on the team. And you know, I, I mean like this season, if he has a big enough year this year, I could we could be looking at he was a pro bowler last year. I could see him being a pro bowler again this year. Um You know, this guy, he could even hit all pro if he has a big enough season and Stafford's healthy. So I feel like if the Lions want to turn things around because this franchise is just like a miserable year after the year, just always botching contracts and letting players leave. If they want to turn this around, they need to pay him a lot of money and not do what they did with Calvin Johnson, where they had a star receiver who, you know, big bodied athletic star receiver who they let just, you know, get beat up and then leave. And, uh, you know, just all of a sudden kick him to the curb. Like, I, they can't do that with Galladay because Galladay will get signed by a way better team if, uh, if the Lions don't give an offer and he will torch us for the rest of his career. So, yeah, Kenny Galladay for sure. Um, I don't care. The Lions have a ton of cap room. There was a discussion on Twitter today about how much to give him. And my response was... All the money the Lions have, we don't need yeah. any new players. I don't mind if we keep the roster we have now, keep paying them, and all the leftover money just goes to Kenny Galladay. So the do
2: Lions you th-
3: need him.
0: Do you think that if, if let's say Stafford either has a hard time staying healthy because of the back thing, or, or let's just say doesn't have a great year, and there and the Lions are potentially looking at like a rebuild because people were discussing them taking Tua at third overall, like that yeah. was conversation. So let's just say the lions finish this year for, you know, five and 11, four and 12 or signing Stafford doesn't come back to what he necessarily was before the injury. Do you think they could just say, you know what, we're not going to pay Galladay that kind of money. And we're going to do a rebuild and draft a quarterback early and potentially move on from Stafford and just blow the whole thing up. Or you think, or you think no matter what, even if it's a new QB, they got to bring Galladay back.
3: So oh, great question. Um, yeah, so the thing is, no matter what, it's like, because I could see the, you you would want to bring Galladay back, because if you, let's say they get rid of Stafford next year, for whatever reason, get a new young quarterback, whoever is the next guy up, you know, when Lions are a top 10 pick again, and um, I'm betting on it, but. Yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> there was no need for so, comment, no one was arguing. <laughs> exactly,
3: I know, but so. If you get a young quarterback, I feel like a receiver like Galladay would really help them, you know, kind of get acclimated into Knights. the league early. But at the same time, that money—I mean, the Lions have a lot of cap space right now. I think they're one of like top ten in the league for cap space. But at the same time, I, I see the argument of you know, if you want to do a complete rebuild, get rid of anyone that's in a contract year, just draft a whole new group, bring in a whole new group of free agents. I don't know. Um Either way, I see the team being a rebuild. Like next year is going to be a rebuild, no matter what they do with Galladay. I think. I think. I hope they bring Galladay back. I. I mean, it's hard to get a top talent receiver like that. And uh, with Marvin where, Jones and Amendola gone, you need to bring him in.
0: Where was he drafted? Uh, uh, he
3: was third, uh, third round in twenty seven yeah yeah third, 2017
0: third round. third round third round definitely good value there That's yeah just...
3: exactly yeah they were they were banking on big th- and i mean i watched the guy when i went to i went to school at toledo and he played at northern illinois and we watched i mean i watched him torch toledo in several games throughout my uh my years there so i mean i've, I've seen the talent he has and uh you know, I, I knew when the Lions drafted him, they they meant business. Like he's not a uh, experiment or a depth guy. He they want him to be wide receiver one for a long time. So hopefully they keep true to that and pay him.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think he sees talents you don't want to let go, that's for sure. Exactly. And now um on to Max with the Bears. The number one uh, contract guy can't leave.
1: Yeah, number one contract guy that can't leave is Allen Robinson. So, yeah, like, yeah, Allen, he, like, we, yeah, we've discussed it on a previous podcast, but he single-handedly carries our offense. He's a good leadership guy. He's um, got good ethics and morals. He's 26 years old. He's not even that old. And although he's had ACL history, like, I... I firmly believe that he doesn't play like he has an injured ACL. And obviously that can be a common occurrence to tear the ACL again, that sort of thing. But he's going to be looking for a big contract. And what the Bears often do is they sign their players a year early. And typically it's right before the season begins. So we just did it last year with Cody Whitehair. We've done in the past with many other players. So I would think that we wouldn't even allow him to play out this year without being signed for a future deal. Uh, the only thing is, is that the money's a problem. So I believe the bears were sitting at about $15 million. We got a few extra million uh, June 1st when, um, when Trey Burton was cut and uh, that contract kind of went through its expiry sort of thing. And so we got some money back for that, but uh, yeah, so we have about $15 million and Amari Cooper, he just got paid. And Allen Robinson, I would put him in the same sort of tier. Uh, maybe not up on that twenty million dollar a year sort of level, but he's going to be in that range. And so, and frankly, I think he deserves it. Um, one thing I I would also say on top of that is like you look at the rest of our free agents. We don't have many twenty uh, free agents that will be expired in 2020 and up for new contracts and I started thinking about that like why is it like everyone's just due in 2021 whether it's like Trevathan or Fuller or whatever you know like all all these uh, stars are up in 2021 and then I started thinking I was like okay Ryan Pace's contract is up after 2020 so he's got his guys up for one more year so he's going to get pushed in so uh, minus Alan Robinson who's he's going to be up in 2020 I think we don't even allow him to get to that year I think I think we can expect to see something beyond that 2021 mark. And, uh, and so that pace so, kind of confirms that job a little bit more. He it, gets us key, key players you, a little bit longer. You
0: think the extension comes before the start of the
1: season you're saying? I think it comes before the start of the season and I'd be actually what? really shocked if it doesn't come before the start of the season.
0: So, so his last contract was an average salary of 14 million a year. You yep. think it goes up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It goes up. Uh, And based on what Amari gets, uh, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And we we didn't...
0: uh, For me, like, I mean, there's no doubt your offense needs him. Without Mm him, nothing. But I don't know why. I just feel like, I don't know, maybe it's because I look at the Bears' offense and it's like there's not necessarily pieces around him where it's like usually you have like that one, then you have like really... I guess you need Anthony Miller to step up. Because it's almost like you're paying your whole wide receiver thing to one guy. And they're going to have a ton of guys that really don't make an impact. So I feel like Anthony Miller and the tight ends need to step up because otherwise Robinson's going to get triple teamed every time. And it's not not going to be a good situation. But I agree. I think if the Bears were signing anyone, it better be Allen Robinson because without him, you don't have an offense. So I agree with that. And for the Packers, it's really tough because, as I mentioned, we have four guys that, in a lot of fans' opinions, are guys you can't lose. That's David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, Aaron Jones, and Kevin King. So I guess you could say there's a clear two tiers there. You got Bakhtiari and Clark at premium positions, and then you have Jones at maybe the least valuable position, and then Kevin King, who last year played his first fully healthy season, five interceptions, 15 passes defended, very good season. So I would hate to see Jones or King leave, but when I'm looking at this whole group, they gotta be at the bottom of it. And I think between Clark and Bakhtiari, the one guy that like I just cannot imagine leaving would be Bakhtiari. Because whether you have Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love, at whatever time, there's nothing like having the best left tackle in football protecting him. Kenny Clark is amazing, and I would hate to see him leave, but left tackle just it trumps defensive tackle every day of the week, especially when Clark is definitely a top five talent, arguably top three. There's no argument Bakhtiari is within the top probably two tackles in the NFL. So I think when it comes for the Packers, Bakhtiari needs to be their number one priority. I don't know if it happens before the start of the season, but he mentioned that him and both both sides are motivated to make a deal happen. So I think, I think Bakhtiari will be the first one signed of that group. And now moving on to our second question, and this one comes in from At or Punt. What is your favorite moment in any divisional game? Let's say – let's just call it the last 10 years so, you know, most of us can uh, reminisce on that. So, uh, Gerbs, go for it. All right. All right. Week 19, 2016 season,
3: um, Lions versus the Vikings. And uh, it, the game is in overtime. It's a tie, 16-16. Stafford throws it to Golden Tate. Harrison Smith tries to bring him down. Brett's already angry about this. Harrison Smith tries to take it down. Tate does a spin move and then stiff arms his face right into the ground, runs over. Sendejo is waiting for him in the end zone, and Tate just completely flips over, shoves his ass right into Sendejo's face during the flip, and then lands in the end zone for a touchdown. Game winner. That 2016 season overall was Stafford's comeback season with eight fourth quarter comeback wins especially in that either overtime or those last few minutes i believe both vikings wins that season came or like we won beat the vikings twice and both came in like end of the game you know that kind of fashion but that one like i'm golden tate was my favorite lions player for a really long time i think that was the first lions jersey i bought in recent history um Actually, that's the first one I've ever actually purchased for myself. And, yeah, like, Tate just – he would make the Vikings look silly. And I miss him so much because, I mean, now the Vikings just trounce the Lions. Like, it's nothing. But, you know, with Golden Tate and Stafford throwing to him, man, like, they made – Xavier Rhodes was his son. <laughs> just, like, Tate – right, right, or, so same with Marvin Jones. But, man, Tate, like, would just dominate that field with uh, against the Vikings. So, yeah, that one probably my favorite moment because I thought the Lions were going to lose it. I thought they were going to blow it in overtime. And instead, Golden Tate made the most theatrical win, I think, in Lions history right there.
0: Yeah, I am not a fan of Golden Tate's at all. Uh, (laughs) Hail Mary uh, memories. But um, that play was pretty exciting. I'm not going to lie. That play was pretty cool. I definitely remember it. And I guess because that play went against the Vikings, let's just go to Brett then. Uh, Your favorite divisional memory.
2: Yeah, Gerbs, I coulda, I coulda went the rest of my life without remembering that game. I appreciate <laughs> it. Every time I see Golden Tate, I just think of that play, and I'm just like, ugh, you know. Well, but you that's the way it goes. That, that, probably... That's division rivalries. So, you know, that's what makes that what that's what makes football fun. But uh, my favorite memory of the last five years is um, January 3rd, 2016. It was Vikings versus Packers for the division at Lambeau. <laughs> oh, um, this is very well. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater did not play well um Aaron Rodgers did not play well it was not an offensive game um Mike Zimmer used his defense and you know he shut shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense they only gave up 13 points um I think Rodgers threw an interception at the end of the game Xavier Rhodes actually intercepted him in the end zone so let's 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 not pretend like you know through a you threw a Mitch Trubisky
0: duck in the middle of the field. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it, it to you. that bad, but. I'm <laughs> glad
3: we're roasting the Bears in the middle in a of the conversation. conversation. Yeah. About yeah. The bears. Yeah. Yes. Good. Thank I you. To.
2: I to. Hey, that's the way it goes. But, um, yeah, it was our first division title since, I think it was 2012, where we actually, I think, beat uh the Packers as well. Well, no, maybe it wasn't for the division when Adrian Peterson was nine yards short of the record. Oh. Uh, but, uh. Yeah, <laughs> that was a playoff berth, I think. But I think it might have been 2009 when Favre's year and everything like that. I think I know Eli loved that year, uh, but uh, <laughs> I'm
0: really happy I loved, that yeah.
2: Right, but yeah, you know that that division clincher was it, it was it was a good moment for you know Mike Zimmer to kind of come into that role as head coach, first division title for him as Vikings head coach. That you know we really started to know that Mike Zimmer was probably the guy that was gonna. Be our head coach of the future and really turned our defense around so that that was was one of my best memories so yeah
0: well i wish i could agree with you but i hear i I hear your your reasoning
2: uh max how about you
0: favorite bears divisional game in recent memory
1: yeah so it's uh it's kind of funny one thing you guys have to remember is that my recent memory is really recent because i haven't been a bears fan for very long i haven't been an nfl fan for very long And so uh, I'm actually going to go back two years to 2018 week, week 15. So this was a huge game, a lot on the line. Bears can clinch their first divisions uh, title since I believe it was 2011 and Packers are looking for a playoff spot. So there's playoff hopes on the line and uh, there's lots of animosity building up, lots of I just remember a lot of Twitter rage going on uh, before this game and and then. Uh, Aaron Rodgers drops a commercial with Bose and and it's uh, he puts on the headphones and then drowns out all the Bears fans and then just starts dropping dimes and stuff and it was like oh like I was just like, remember praying like, God, if there's just one time, just give me this one, one game, you know? And, and especially after the big heartbreak that happened in week one, like where in front of every, uh, the entire NFL, injured Rogers comes back and just blows us apart, you know? And so this game is going the same way. Uh, three quarters of the game, the bears are leading. We get into about uh, four minutes left, I believe in the third quarter. That's when, uh, Rogers ties things up. It's like a 14-14 game, and I remember Bears Nation is just like, it's happening again. I can't believe it. It's happening again. And yeah. uh, and then all of a sudden, tr- fourth quarter, Mitch. He he sometimes shows up, sometimes he doesn't. But today he showed up and he starts making some moves. And and uh, one of the one of the things I remember is just the nail in the coffin of that game. There was a, there was a little bit of volatility where there was like Cohen fumbled it and we tried to do a trick play, but then. Uh, Trubisky made like a 25 yard run and then uh, he's just kind of not not huge throws but just working his way down the field and then one of the one of the plays, this isn't my favorite memory, but one of the plays that I really like that's probably the second, uh, my second favorite play was uh, his pass to the left. It was about a 20 yard pass to the corner of the end zone to Trey Burton and I remember just feeling like so relieved because that, was, that ended up being the nail in the coffin. It didn't solidify the game right then and there but what it did was is it broke or it really stuck it to a narrative that was going around that Trubisky can't throw to his left and and he ended the Packers that way and you know what I have no problem if you make fun of Trubisky he deserves it we deserve it we talked him up we're gonna have to eat it you know but the one thing I never really understood was throwing to the left like the the more accurate representation would be throwing down the middle he he can't throw down the middle deep that's usually where he he's off and uh often when he's on the run whether to the left or to to the right that's when he's at his best and that's something that bears nation we've really noticed that dropped off in 2019 however getting to my favorite play so a couple more cool plays happen where uh max sacks rogers and rogers trying to come back and you see him loading up for that big hail mary and then floyd gets to him and then all of a sudden, yeah, there's a, there's a couple minutes left in the game. And, um, and Rodgers starts working his way down. And it's about a 10-point game at that point. There's still enough time uh, on the clock in order for Rodgers to complete his comeback. And what happens is uh, Eddie Jackson gets, a, I think it was, unnecessary roughness penalty. And so you guys are first in goal. Uh, and so it's like okay well they're obviously going to score a touchdown hopefully and we're already preparing for the onside kick and at that point uh rogers drops back throws it roquan smith dives deflects it eddie jackson picks it off runs it out ends the game well i wouldn't
0: say there was a deflection as in as much your brand new tight end dropped the ball right through Hands. There was
1: a deflection. There was a hundred percent. We'll we'll go <laughs> back and find out, but there there was. I I remember seeing this. I've watched this play a million times. Roquan Smith hits it, and then Eddie. Ja- anyway, Eddie Jackson ends up picking it off. Thank you, Jimmy Graham, for dropping it. If that is the case, I love you. You're the best tight end in the game. Thank you. And <laughs> uh, and then so. The reason I, I really like that one is because there was a record on the line where Rodgers had gone so many passes without throwing an interception and that not only eliminated the Packers, not only clinched the division for the Bears for the first time in how many how many years and but what it did was it ended that record and and I'm not gonna go into detail of okay. what happened after that play, but what it was is that uh, we put the Packers in the grave and then came back to piss on the grave. So my favorite memory is the pissing on the grave.
0: Well, my favorite memory would be the double doing two weeks. Later.
1: <laughs> yeah. but, um, and you know, and you know what? Uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. But like, yeah, what I was kind of getting at was uh, Eddie Jackson on that play, he injured himself and that, yeah, that was right, the- you can attribute a lot of that loss to, He he didn't end up playing against the Eagles. And so, that was something about someone we really missed having him there because of that, yeah, that play. because I he ran it I remember
0: seen that game, and I was quite happy about it. But now that I got to listen to two people bring back horrible memories, and now, I mean, it looks like Brett's going to get away the best. Oh, no, you already got Golden Tate against you. So, Max, ooh, but I had the Hail Mary. I wasn't even going to do the Hail Mary to Richard Rodgers against the Lions. But that's an honorable mention. Hail Mary against the Lions. Oh, I thought that was going to be the one you were doing. I was bracing for that and ready to, like, leave the call, be done with the podcast (laughs) forever if you brought that one up. It would be the undisputed one, but the one I'm going to do is it because I was actually at the game when it happened. But so my choice, December 29th, 2013, Packers-Bears, Week 17. Rodgers, first week back after a broken collarbone. Winner takes the division in Soldier Field. I'm at the game. And, of course, Rodgers hits Randall Cobb with 40 seconds left on a 48-yard touchdown. And the end zone where Cobb caught that touchdown is actually where I was sitting. I was about maybe 15, 20 rows up. And I just still have that image of of Cobb running down the field, waving his arm wide open because Chris Conte, the greatest safety Mm -hmm. in history.
1: Swear word in Chicago.
0: Yeah, he just stood flat-footed at the first down line. Let Cobb go right past him, and honestly, yeah, it was one of the better memories probably in my life. Just being there, watching the touchdown, getting to walk through the court, the concourse after seeing Bears fans. I mean, the look of dread on some people's faces. I'm not a bad guy, but I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Made me a little yeah. bit. Happy. <laughs> um, that was that was that was a, that was a fun game for me, but yeah. Uh, but, yeah um, uh, Bringing
3: up that uh that Hail Mary one real quick though I'm not an angry person but that Aaron Aaron Rodgers Hail Mary to Richard Rodgers I punched a wall like <laughs> I'm not that person ever I am not like the you know get angry and break stuff kind of person but like that one I was so mad I ah, punched a wall and went so to bed great. it was literally my girlfriend at the time was next to me and she's like. What are you doing? I turned off the light. I'm like, I'm going to bed. You need to leave. Like, I was just so <laughs> mad at the world. I'm like, yeah. no one's allowed to talk to me after that.
0: Oh, I would I would be. Done. I mean, the best reaction to that is Matt Stafford falling to his knees on the sideline. Or that I don't was know,
3: Calvin Johnson. That was Calvin Johnson. Was Calvin Johnson. And just yeah. And
0: standing behind him with just this look of like, yeah. that really Jeez. just happened.
3: My stepdad was at that game, and he said that literally, like you could hear a pin drop through the city of Detroit, leaving the stadium and walking back to the cars. It was literally like everyone just walked out, just
0: miserable. I mean, it was insane. It was untimed. It wasn't just like you know six seconds. It was an untimed play because of a penalty, which because we went I- into. <laughs> because of a contract. screwed the lions
3: again but
0: hands to the face all the time that's what i have to say it touched his shoulder okay anyway
3: sorry let's move on to the next question i can't next handle this question one
0: anymore. next question and this one comes in from uncle mike 21 um how hot is matt patricia's seat heading into 2020 so max you got to start us off i mean gerbs you got to start us off <laughs> with uh, yeah. Lions.
3: All right. Um, oh, it's hot. It's, it's, it's hot. And not just Patricia. I'm going to I'm going to expand on this. Uh, I'm going to take this question one uh, one step further. It's the entire front office like is on fire right now. It's, it's not even like the hot seat. It's just the owner sitting there with a the fire extinguisher just waiting to see how bad it gets. Um, I mean, again, I I mentioned this a couple episodes ago, but Martha Ford pulled aside some reporters to let them know. uh, She gave a talk to them saying that if Patricia and general manager Bob Quinn don't take this team to the playoffs in 2020, they are out of a job. And I can assure you they will not be getting another job in football if that happens. And to put Patricia in perspective – Jim Caldwell, who I never understand why the Lions decided to get rid of him. They were like, hey, they're nine and seven. That's not good enough. To the coach that took this awful team to two playoffs, or I think he took them to the playoffs three times in his like five years as the Lions head coach, which, you know, unheard of. And, you know, with almost all winning records and all of a sudden we went from two years of nine and seven. And yeah, all of a sudden they're like, that's not good enough. They fire Caldwell. They bring in Matt Patricia. Patricia takes us to a whopping 6-10 and 10 his first year. Gets us a number eight overall pick. And then year two. Oh, don't worry. You know, first-year first head coaches always have a bad year. Year two is where they turn it all around. Three twelve and one We got Jeff Okuda with the third overall pick. And I'm banking on the Lions taking another top 10 pick this year. Probably, I have no idea who they'd take. It's way too far out to decide. But I, I don't see them fixing any of this. I mean, I know there's always the talk of Patricia losing the locker room. Let me tell you, like when you hear those interviews from former Lions players who talk about how much they hate the guy, (laughs) you know, like I I just I don't see him coming back. And I think part of it, even if the current players like him, I just think that he's brought too much bad press, just too much bad things have happened. I will say I don't think the Lions will get rid of him and uh, general manager Bob Quinn mid-season. I never see that ever working out well for any team. I think they'll wait till the end of the year, scout out their options. Just let them go, you know, play this one out because who knows, they might turn it around. I don't have high hopes and I'm normally a very optimistic person, especially when it comes to the Detroit Lions. But I just, Patricia, this defensive mastermind hasn't done anything to make me think that he is.
0: Wasn't there like also a major like culture problem, like, like players were upset with him, he was running, like maybe it was just Slay. But he, was, he said that comment to Slay, something happened. There's a lot yeah, of he, he
3: was making comments to Slay about, like, I, I, I can't remember what it is. But, you know, obviously Darius Slay, he's a star cornerback. He has the biggest ego on the planet, and no one could bring that down. But you expect that from any star football player in general, but especially the corners. But, like, Patricia just actually, like, insulted him to his face. And I can't remember what the actual quote was, but... And then um, even, like, a backup tight end, Hakeem Velez, uh came out and said that, like, the things Patricia would say to the team, he'd basically be, like, he thought he was motivating them, but he was actually just being a complete asshole to them and bringing them down. He was down trying and, to
0: beat the Belichick, right? Like, that was his thing? Like, right. Yeah.
3: And, and, like, I'm going to say, spoiler alert, if it weren't for Tom Brady, Belichick would be the <laughs> coach he is. Like, we're going to see this year Belichick just fall flat on his face, and I'm going to put money on that. But you know uh, Patricia's we'll just Patricia is not Belichick The Lions wanted him to be Belichick Bob Quinn, former Patriots front office guy now you know general manager of the Lions, I, they're both going to be gone and I mean even when when the owner the 90 something year old owner says I'm gonna fire these people if they don't get my team a playoff win I think her mind's already set regardless of what happens. So yeah that's that's my answer on that Patricia's out here
0: so yeah, the quote the quote was, Patri- uh, Darius Slay posted a picture of a wide receiver, doesn't say who, on Instagram, and Patricia told him, um, and he, and then Darius Slay says, and Patricia told me, stop sucking this man's private. Um, so yeah, Slay was like, whoa, hold up, where I'm from, that don't fly, and then it escalated from there, obviously, it didn't end well, Slay's no longer there. So. That's right.
3: He he commented on another on a, on another wide receiver's like post. That's what it was. Yeah, because yeah, he was like funny. he was like, hey man, that was a good catch or something. Because it was a catch over Slay, and Slay's like, man, you are the most talented receiver I've gone against. And Patricia was mad that he was doing yeah. good sport.
0: So you know, like, like you said, I mean, Belichick, you can make the argument that he's kind of just a dick, but also he's he's earned it. He's kind of earned it. Uh, Patricia yeah, for sure. got a while. You've got a while until you could earn that. Uh, mm-hmm. That of uh, respect um Brett and Max do you have any I mean would you disagree or are you you with Max that it's probably pretty damn hot right now
2: I think he's gone after this year to be honest with you um usually by year three usually by year three you know um and usually within the first couple years you see improvement he's supposed to be this defensive mastermind and I don't think they've had any improvement I think the Vikings have been better Vikings in particular have been better against the Lions as with Matt Patricia there um, but um, yeah, <laughs> well, you, yeah. usually, usually you see it like with Mike Zimmer. Even we were three, three and thirteen with Leslie Frazier, his final year. Uh, Mike Zimmer came in, we were seven and nine, and then we won the division in y- year two of Mike Zimmer at eleven and five. Uh, so I think you usually see some improvement within the first couple years. Whereas, like Gerbs was saying, he was six and ten his first year, and then three, twelve and one his second I year. So yeah,
0: I mean the Lions always seem to have a special way of blowing games. And it's been the same the last two years. And yeah, I just I just think I think Patricia, I think he's a great defensive coordinator. You saw it in New England, but maybe he's a bit in over his head right now. Um, but let's let's move on to the next one. I think this one's pretty interesting. This one comes in from SJ Steve Nine on Twitter. Um, and he wants to know, besides divisional matchups, which one game do you think will be the biggest game for your team, the most difficult? the premier game for your team outside of the Uh Max, go ahead.
1: Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm actually going to piggyback off a comment that Gerbs was making about Brady leaving the Buccaneers and, uh, or sorry, Brady leaving, leaving the, the Patriots? Patriots and then yeah. falling flat on their face. And obviously with Stidham, like, like, I don't know how good Stidham is. We obviously haven't seen him ever, but th- there's no way that can be a good situation. So I think I think most of us will probably bring up the Saints, so I actually went a different route and found a more unique one. I went with the Bucks. So the Bears play the Bucks pretty early on and I think this is going to be a pretty good test of where the Bears sit at as far as how our outlook for 2020 is going to be. So the Bucks finished 7 and 9 in 2019 and that is with Jimmy Winston throwing 30 interceptions. Brady is not going to be throwing 30 interceptions for the Buccaneers. So uh, and another thing that Brady has never lost to the Bears. I could be wrong, but I remember hearing that, and I don't remember it changing. But uh, I wouldn't doubt that. Yeah, Brady. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Br- Brady's never lost to the Bears, and and their team has really improved since uh, the since Trubisky dropped six touchdowns on them uh, a couple years back. So they added Gronk. Uh, Shaquille yeah. Barrett has now broken out. Um, 20 sacks last season, and they added my guy, Antoine Winfield Jr., in the draft, the guy that I was kind of hoping for. But, uh, yeah, so I think their defense is going to be vastly improved. Their offense is going to be a lot better. Godwin had his his breakout season as well. And, yeah, so that's that's, – I believe we played them in week five. And so that's going to be a really big game to really see how the outlook for a 2020 season will go. And so, yeah, I'm going to chalk it up to that Bucks game. It's a big, it's a game I've circled on my calendar.
0: Yeah, and you were right, Max. Uh, Brady has never lost to the Bears um, in five matchups. So, yeah, obviously the Bucks. I mean, if if you're not going with the Saints, the Bucs is definitely a good option. Uh, Brett, what do you think is the biggest non-divisional game for the Vikings?
2: Uh, Max with the, w- went with the Buc- Buccaneers. Obviously, we play them as well, and that'll be a big game. And I don't think Tom Brady's lost to the Vikings as well. We've never beat Tom Brady. Um, and then the Saints, obviously. That's Week 16 for us. That could be a, a big a big matchup for playoff implications and everything. But Saints is kind of, of course, too. So I'm going to go with, actually, the Cowboys. Um, we play them on a primetime game at the end of November. It's um, It's at home. Um, this game could have wild card implications for us. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think the Eagles are probably going to win the division. And I don't think we're a team that's going to go 12 and 12 and four, 3. I think we're going to be maybe nine and seven, 10 and six this year. So I think that game could have big uh, wild card implications for us. Um, so if we get that head to head matchup, head to head W, I think that could be really big for us going down the stretch, especially with tough games against the Buccaneers, um, Bears and the Saints. So.
0: Yeah, no, it's a good call. Any, obviously, last three weeks of the season for any team that will probably be in playoff contention, those games are going to be huge. So that should be a good one. And Gerbs, how about the Lions?
3: All right, so this one's going to sound a little crazy, but I'm putting week three Lions versus Cardinals. And there's a few reasons for that. One, um, we opened the season last year against the Cardinals and tied. The Lions need to get that taste out of their mouth. (laughs) <laughs> you know, we need to, we need to, we need to put that path, that tie past us, beat the Cardinals and kind of get that morale back, especially because the next week is the saints. And if they lose to the Cardinals, they're definitely going to lose to the saints. So, you know, at least like, you know, if they come off a win and go into the saints game, you know, with that, the high of winning, which, you know, very rare for the Detroit lions to be feeling, I feel like, that could be better plus now the cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins. Kyler started to show a lot more promise throughout the, the you know throughout the entire season Kyler looked better and better. Now he's got Hopkins to throw to, arguably one of the best like probably the best receiver in the league right now. So when you put that there, you know cuz week 1 and 2 is Bears and Packers, I don't see those division games playing out well for Detroit, but at least Detroit has always been kind of competitive in those games. Cardinals week three is their first non-division or non, yeah, non-NFC North game. They need to get the tie out of their head and move past it. And I feel like if they lose that, the season's over right there. And yeah, I'm going with the Lions Cardinals week three.
0: Uh, Yeah, I hear that. I mean, any, look, number one, once you get past week six, does any Lion game matter? (laughs) I mean, no, no, that's just the real. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um no but it is a good because by the way last year not only did it did you tie you were leading so late in that game and murray was playing so terribly and then for it to end the way it did it was shocking yeah and it was the awful. fourth
3: quarter our defense just decided they the defense essentially just like stood there and let murray just do whatever he wanted and that was that was the good issue with that. Your head again, coach. that goes back to my yeah <laughs> yeah exactly matt patricia this defensive guru who yeah like and no matter, even with the players he took from the patriots
0: still let that yeah, happen so that was uh i hear that even though it's a bit of a random call after and also you play them every year and it's always a wild game so it's probably going to yeah. be another one and then for the packers i mean the packers in my opinion have the hardest schedule and just like you guys is the saints of the bucks a lot of good options but I have to look at week nine, Thursday night football against the 49ers. Uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. That's going to be a huge game. Lost to them twice last year in terrible fashion, including the NFC Championship. And this will actually be the fourth game of that stretch I mentioned last week where they play the Bucks, Texans, Vikings, and then Niners. Three of those being on the road, and that includes the Niners game, is going to be in San Francisco Once again, I don't know how they keep playing in San Francisco, but whatever. The NFL schedule makers hate the Packers. We know this. But obviously that's going to be a huge game. Because when you're coming off the Bucs, Texans, and Vikings, it's not the craziest thing to think you could be one and two out of those three games. And then that fourth game, it's going to be important. Midseason against an NFC contender, it could have potential seeding implications in the playoffs. So Packers, Niners, Thursday Night Football, that Should be one of the marquee matchups for the entire NFL season, honestly. So that'll be a good one. And here, this will be our final final question of the day. This one coming in from Nico underscore Stadler. Um, Which team in the NFC North will represent the most pro bowlers for the division? And I guess uh, maybe name or
2: predict who those pro bowlers will be. Uh, Brett, go ahead. Well, obviously, um, we don't want to play in the Pro Bowl. That's that's the main goal. <laughs> but um, if it comes down to that, I think it, it'll either be the Packers or the Vikings um, with the most Pro Bowlers. I mean, the Packers have David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, uh, both of the Smiths on defense. Uh, Jari Alexander could, you know, be a Pro Bowler. Um, Jenkins, their center, who's really really good. Um, Devonte Adams, obviously. Um, so you have a bunch of guys that are pro bowl caliber players on the, on the Packers. Then you have the Vikings who have, um, Harrison Smith who usually just makes the pro bowl every year. is just super solid. Um, Kirk cousins for as much heat as he gets, he was in the pro bowl last year. Um, Delvin cook, Adam Thielen, uh, Eric Kendricks, a handful of guys, the Neil Hunter. Um, so, you know, I think it's between those two, um, that have more of the pro Pro Bowl caliber players, um, but uh, you know the Bears have some good players as well. Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson, um, the, the Lions, you know Matt Stafford, we, Kenny we, Galladay, we their entire team pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, I you know they got solid players, but I think it would be between the Packers and the Vikings. So, all right, and uh, Max,
1: yeah, like I think I think the Bears when when i address them they they only have really one guy in offense that i see that can ha- has that potential like i i also want to give credit to um, Cody Whitehair he he's a pro bowler and and the offensive line should improve and but other than that for the offense for the bears it's really only Allen Robinson who has a shot at being a pro bowler other than that like our our defense we have a lot of guys that were in the pro bowl and in 2018, 2019, and then have a shot in it. So yeah, yeah, whether Fuller or Jackson, and then you got Roquan Smith, who we're thinking should be a fringe pro bowler as well. Khalil Mack, Akeem Hicks should be healthy. He should, I think he should be a pro bowler. Um, however, yeah, I think I think you named off a lot of players, Brett, for me, so I don't need to go into it too deeply. But you know what? I'm I'm still going to I, I don't think I can give the edge to the Vikings necessarily over the Bears. I think you guys did lose a lot of talent, and when you do a lot of those mix and matches, there's a lot of situational things that happen with uh, with players who are usually perennial, preannual annual perennial, in the, perennial, <laughs> perennial <I'm> <laughs> pro bowlers. There you go. There we go. <laughs> and uh, wow, and uh, and so when you when you switch <laughs> a lot of that up, Bears haven't really switched up a whole lot on defense. So we should have we should have probably about three or four Pro Bowlers just right there. as a floor but i think yeah you know what i think alexander he was my guy in the draft in uh in 2018 and you know what i think he steps up you guys obviously have bakhtiari he's a lock rogers is a lock no matter how he plays he's going to be in there and so i am i'm gonna i'm gonna give myself the bias ranking so i'll I'll go i'll go packers and then i'll go bears vikings lines
0: all right and uh Real quick, I just wanted wanted to make one point, Um, Max. Somehow, in 2018, Mitchell Trubisky went to the Pro Bowl with (laughs) 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. And Matt Ryan had 35 touchdowns and 7 picks and didn't get in. So I'm just saying, the Pro Bowl needs How how useful is this
1: conversation, really? Is that what we're asking?
0: (laughs) yeah i mean no i just that year just it bothered like i'm not a matt ryan fan but it was so
1: crazy to me that that happened but um you you know what you know what sorry uh if i can just have one more minute but like go for it trubisky I, i i'm i'm i really tried to champion him and one of one of the defining moments for me and when i kind of started leaving the trubisky train was the pro bowl event and not 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 the little side events or whatever and not even even the game itself like I think the game you kind of see that it's like okay he's not playing at the same level as these other quarterbacks but one of the things that really and maybe it's not even worth bringing up I'm gonna bring it up anyway but I watched this Trubisky mic'd up video for the Pro Bowl game and Trubi- and I hate that it, they added this but he throws a uh, pick and then he goes to the sideline he's, go- he's like and it was rainy during that game or whatever but he goes, oh man, there's there's mud on the ball. There like it slipped. Like it, there is like, and I was like, man, that's the excuse I use. What are you doing? Yeah, like, <laughs> and he's like going up, and he and he goes up and tells multiple people this. And he's like, and I was like, man, you're like losing so much respect just saying that. Like, and you see the guys' reactions are like, yeah, uh, like it's slippery <laughs> for me too. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. you don't see We've me all
0: funky. been in the NFL. This is only the most elite of the elite. But I'm happy. It's- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that that would I never heard that audio, but trust me, I will within five minutes of the show bending. I,
1: I don't doubt it.
0: <laughs> um, so, uh, Gerbs, what what do you think?
1: Yeah, so you got
3: to say the Packers are going first, and I mean, okay, here's my gripe at the Pro Bowl. It's a popularity contest. I look at all pro more than I look at pro bowl for like That's how well a player actually does. Just given, I mean, the argument right there, Mitch Trubisky made the pro bowl. <laughs> that should never happen.
1: Shout out to the bears fans. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's a popularity Buff concert uh,
3: yeah. contest. And unfortunately for the Detroit lions, there's not a lot of big names. So even when a player has a better season, than one of the players that made the pro bowl, Odds are nobody knows who they are because they're on the Detroit Lions, who no one ever wants to watch.
0: Herb, and, do you know how many Pro Bowls Stafford has been to? Same as Trubisky. One. One, one. It's insane. It's
3: insane. One. Yeah, which Stafford's statistically one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, like stat-wise. Not wins, not playoffs, stat- whatever. Patrick. But like on the on the stat sheet, Stafford is fantastic. One Pro Bowl. But I mean the Packers, no matter what, you do have some of the top players in the league at a lot of your positions. And like with, yeah, that is, I think it was Brett said the Smiths on defense, you got Clark, you got uh, offense, you got Bakhtiari, Adams, Rogers, Jones. It's, it's, it's hard to beat that Vikings. You guys come in a close second. I mean, you have just so many big name guys and like, there's always opportunity bears. I hate to say it. You you always have more pro bowlers than Detroit. Detroit always has like one who's like an alternate who gets in because the guy who dropped out went to the Super Bowl or something. And so, you know, it's just it's, it's heartbreaking. The Lions are not going to have they might have one this year. Maybe Galladay. He was there last year. I'd put Galladay in again. But, yeah, Packers, I'm giving it to them.
0: All right. I mean, yeah, look, I'm, I'm not going to argue with any of you on those rankings. Um, but it is it is. I mean, the whole division obviously has some very talented players. And that includes the line. Even if you just want to talk about Gallaudet and Stafford, they're both yeah. at near the top of their position. So a lot of great players. But, yeah, I mean, somehow the Packers, even though they're a very popular fan base, for some reason they're not necessarily always represented in the Pro Bowl a lot. Last year they only had two guys named. And then Kenny Clark eventually got added when someone dropped out. But, Wasn't the I
1: same mean, as Darius Smith? Wasn't he an alternate?
0: Yeah, he ended up being an. I mean, he ended up being an alternate. The guy should have been an All Pro, let alone a Pro Bowler. He was exactly right up there with the best pass rushers in the NFL. So the Pro Bowl, in reality, we all know, is somewhat of a joke. But I do have to go Packers. I guess I would go Vikings second. I mean, you got Cook, you got Thielen. Kendricks is always underrated, but he always makes the Pro Bowl. Harrison Smith is terrific. And then the Lions and Bears are both going to probably, you know, fight to get anywhere between, you know, two to three, four players in. I guess the Bears better chance. You got Cleo Mack and uh, Eddie Jackson right off the bat.
1: That yeah, are based- well, there should should be a lock. fuller <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Fuller also. Fuller should make it. Um, how many How many Pro Bowls has he made? A couple. So he was fuller? he was an All
1: Pro in 2018, and then he 2018 was his breakout year, and that's when he was All Pro, and then uh, 2019 he was a Pro Bowl. But you know what? Like he, he, it's not even that he's like he's, like he's very talented. He's very instinctual, very smart, and. But he he's just the guy who just kind of feeds off the benefits of reaps of the benefits of the pass rush and that sort of thing. He just gets a lot of picks and and yeah. uh, sits in his zone and makes plays. and And so yeah
0: that pass rush obviously uh, definitely helps him. So mm-hmm. that that those will be all the fan questions for this episode. Again, everyone who sent in, if you didn't hear your question, we really appreciate it and keep sending them in. We'll try to get through a couple each week and do the best we can. And now moving on to, Our final discussion of the day, and as we've been going week by week, we've been ranking positions along the NFC North. We got through quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And now this week we are going to go over the offensive linemen as a group for each team. Um, I think each guy will kind of just give a breakdown of their own offensive line, some strong points, some weak points, and then if you want at the end, maybe give a little bit of a power ranking for the division. Uh, Brett, why don't you start
2: us off? Sure, um, the Vikings, they, their offensive line always seems like so like their their weakest link. Um, we didn't give up a ton of pressures last year, but it seems like you know the middle of the the pocket always collapses on Kirk Cousins, and I don't know if it's him holding the ball too long, or it's just interior pressure gets their offense line. Um, obviously, our right tackle Brian O'Neill is by far our best um, offensive lineman. He's in his third year. He's just a really good guard or uh, right tackle, and then next to him, um, it's been Pat Elfline, and he's not good at all. I'm hoping uh, we have a guy coming in, uh, Drew Samia. He was a fifth round pick, not last year. He was a rookie last year. He was a fifth round fifth round pick, and I think they're really high on him. He's a mauler in the run game, and we know how much Zimmer loves the run game. So I'm hoping he can win the starting job over Pat Elfline because Pat Elfline just holds and. Gets beat consistently, and then we got Garrett Bradbury, who was a our first round pick last year, pick number eighteen last year, and he was pretty underwhelming his rookie year. He was re- he was pretty good in the run game um, with our zone, zone scheme. Um, he's really good. He's athletic, but he seems to get bullied um, with the pass rush, and you know that's that collapsed the pocket again. And Kirk's not the most mobile guy to get out of the pocket um, all the time. And then next to him we had Josh Klein, who we did for some reason cut um this year i have no why i have no idea why he was obviously our second best offensive lineman and he was getting paid like five million a year um so i don't know if he was clashing with the offensive line or offensive line coach or the staff or anything like that but we decided to cut him to save like 1.3 million dollars or something this year but he was by far one of our best offensive linemen and then we got Riley Reef, who is an average left tackle. I know it's hard to find average left tackles in this league sometimes. but um, you know, he's underwhelming as well. Gets up against the Darius Smith, Khalil Mack, any of those guys, and he just gets bullied. Um, so especially in the playoffs, you know, versus the 49ers, they just took advantage of Riley Reef and you know got to Kirk. So um for the Vikings, they're they're the last in the division offense line. Um, for offense line, I'd probably go Packers, Lions, Bears, Vikings. So, yeah. All right. Uh, Gerbs? All right. So the Lions offensive
3: line, I mean, has always been such a liability for this team. But especially this season, honestly, like, people even more knowledgeable about the team than me have no idea what this offensive line is going to look like this season. Because the Lions have so many guys who are plug and play at different spots on the line. We know as a fact left tackle taylor decker we know that frank rag now our first round pick from 2018 will be or 2019 yeah first round pick from oh, I, can't I think it's 2018 2018 yeah first round pick from 2018 oh yeah because hawkinson was 19 yeah first round pick from 2018 he's going to be somewhere in the interior he played guard his rookie year he was center his second uh his second year He's going to be there. Decker will be at left tackle. After that, we signed Vitae, Halapula Vati Vitae from the Eagles, a guy who started 20 games in four seasons. For so like <laughs> a five or six-year ridiculous deal. deal. Hang on, so. I have the numbers. I have the numbers here. But like, yeah, five-year $50 million contract. For a guy who started 20 games. And I get, he was behind Jason Peters and behind Lane Johnson in Philadelphia. So I get, he's behind two guys who are like perennial pro bowl and all pro guys. And he only could go in with injury. But I mean, in that time in his career with the Eagles, he was averaging like four sacks against him a season, three penalties. Like things, you know, like it's not the worst, you know, it's pretty average stats, but like that's not five years, $50, $50 million stats. And then, so Vita is probably going to be our right tackle. We drafted two guards, Jonah Jackson, who was a first-team All-Big Ten at Ohio State, who's played right guard his entire career. He will probably be our right guard. Logan Stenberg we drafted in the fourth round. He was first-team All-SEC and a second-team All-American last year. The problem is is that he has the most penalties of any offensive lineman in college football last year. <laughs> but the thing is, he's huge. He, the guy's a monster. And, like, he's 6'6, 317 pounds. His nickname was Mr. Nasty at Kentucky because he would just rough people up, which is fun in college football. It's a liability in the NFL. But, like, I love his physicality as far as that goes. If he can find a way to, like, tone it down a little bit but keep the energy that would be great he might be our left guard if not it's Joe Dahl from last year who actually did pretty well he his career I mean last year was his first year as a starter and he basically only allowed I think he only allowed like two or three sacks um only committed like one or two penalties and you know that's kind of all you can ask for from a guy like I, I don't think he committed any penalties last season actually And then but then the Lions have one, two, three, four, five other guards as backups who have been starters for their for a team in the past. So you have Kenny Wiggins who started for both San Diego and Detroit. You have Josh Garnett who started for the 49ers, Caleb Benenock, who started for the uh buccaneers you have russell bodine who started for the bills and for the Bengals, and ode abushi who started for the jets seahawks texans and now detroit i think there was one other team in arizona so you have all these guys with starting experience who could easily overtake any of these rookies but they also suck so like there's a reason they're not starting on any of those teams anymore so i don't know the lions like it's there's such a question mark that i almost couldn't Put a ranking in, yeah. Green Bay's the top. There's no question. I really like the Bears line. I'd probably put Lions third and then Vikings last because I mean the Lions do have proven guys with Decker and Rag. Now Vitai has held his own. Joe Dahl held his own, like not great but not bad. I'd say very average. And then whichever rookie we plug in for right guard, no matter what, it's a first team in a very competitive conference and someone we can look forward to watching. But
0: yeah. All right, and uh, Max for the Bears.
1: Yeah, so uh, I'll I'll keep it nice and short. Uh, Charles Leno, left ta- left tackle. And sorry, I'll go back. Twenty eighteen, our offensive line as a whole did really well. Like they were really good, and um, we had a lot of guys that were Pro Bowlers or in the Pro Bowl conversation. 2019 like whatever happened everything just (laughs) fell off like and we we didn't even change much the only thing that changed really was that Kyle Long got injured and so that's not good and then uh, our defensive lineman who was turned into a right tackle who who who's then kicked into right guard he was our starting right guard for most of the season so Rashad Coward and and you know what like it was it was a really tough situation because you didn't know whether it was like, okay, was it the fact that our quarterback wasn't playing well and not stretching the field? And so we couldn't get a run game. And then, and then, I don't know, we had different guys. Like uh, we, we ended up switching uh, James Daniel, who is a college center and Cody Whitehair who was a college left guard, but they started off the season as Cody Whitehair is at center. James Daniel was at left guard. And then we switched off switched up and then we switched back again because it wasn't working out. And so it was a lot of questions, a lot of mixing up going on. So, uh, but yeah, just breaking them down individually. Charles Leno, he's a guy that's going to be either outstanding or just like, what are you doing? You're blowing this whole game for us, you know? Like you, like just penalty after penalty after penalty. Uh, switch over to the right tackle Bobby Massey he's a guy that's just like no one ever talks about him and if you don't talk about him you're you're probably right. doing decent he's not a big mauler <laughs> he's not opening up a lot of lanes or anything but he's just a guy who just comes in does his job doesn't get paid very much he he has a decent contract of like seven million dollars a season so yeah and, and he just comes in does his job whatever love you Bobby Massey just keep doing what you're doing and let's not hear your name anymore okay and then from there James Daniels is a guy that we're like we, we all, most of us had like a first round grade on him. And, and in 2019, he, he, yeah, again, he did that switch up to, to center. And I think one thing we have to remember is that he was 21 years old last year. he was 20 years old when he's drafted. So to be a center in the NFL, it's, it's a, takes a little bit of time to get that experience. So, um, yeah, he, he's a guy that we, we need to have a big year from James Daniel. And then Cody Whitehair, we absolutely love him. He's yeah, pro bowler. He's the only guy who looked really, really competent last year and did well. Um, that being said, when I go into depth, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, I, I don't mind that we picked up Jason Spriggs for the veteran minimum uh, to be a, a backup swing tackle uh but beyond that our depth isn't looking too high and who knows are uh, their coaching staff and management has really put the put scheme on blast and we fired our ol coach and we said yeah scheme was the problem last year so and then this year at right guard we will not have rashad coward we'll have jermaine Fetti, who who is a starting right tackle for three out of four years um in s- seattle and so he, he'll be an upgrade for from Rashad Coward, that's for sure. But it's like he hasn't played right guard in so long. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, a lot of question marks. Packers, yeah, I'll give you guys number one. Vikings last. Lions and Bears, you guys are a coin toss. You know what? Gerbs, I really liked the Jonah Jackson. I really liked Jonah Jackson. And Stenberg, he was a good pick as well. And so... I, so I'm going to say this: 2020. I'm going to give it to the Bears. I think we, just just the consistency and the fact that we've proven that we can succeed, that we've proven that before. I think we can get to that spot a little bit easier than a lot of the question marks that the Lions have. But in 2021, I'm I'll, I'll give it to the Lions. So that's for sure.
3: Thank
0: you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thank uh, you for believing
0: in the Detroit Lions. <laughs> once again we got a pretty a generous uh ranking here for the Packers so you're not going to hear any arguments out of me I, think you, I mean I, you could start obviously with Bakhtiari but I actually want to start with Elton Jenkins what a stud you got him in the second round last year last year he played 616 pass blocking snaps zero sacks he was I mean he should have if he wasn't an offensive lineman he would have run rookie of the year you know it's he was, he was just incredible. He started, he came into week two. So he played, I think, 15 and a half games. And then you have the playoffs as well. He was a stud the entire time. So you have him at left guard. He's going to be a staple there now for hopefully a decade. You got Bakhtiari at left tackle. No need to say anything about him. Top three offensive lineman in the league, if not the best. At center, Corey Lindsley, the guy I named the most underrated player on the Packers last week. Someone who's drafted, you just mentioned, uh... The center, who's 21, takes some time to develop, and it's true, they do. But Lindsley, he got drafted, came in day one, and has been starting every single day since. Since 2014, he's barely missed any time. He's just been a rock at center. And then right tack. So now the right side of the line is definitely weaker than the left. At right guard, you have Billy Turner. He was signed last year. I believe it was a four-year, $28 million deal. He did not have a great season last year. Um, I think the the hate he gets on Packers Twitter is a little bit intense because maybe he was helped out from the offensive line in general because they were good. But I didn't see him as like a huge liability <clears throat> on a weekly basis, but he's he could be better. And then at right, go, at right tackle, we have Rick Wagner from the Lions who isn't bad. He said, you know, he comes in, like you said about Massey, does his job, not going to necessarily make headlines, but does his job. It's just a downgrade from Bulaga. We had Bulaga before, who was obviously a pro bowler and very good. But bringing in Wagner, I think, is a a decent replacement if you're going to lose someone like Bulaga. Um, When it comes to – I mean, and then also the depth. Just real quick to touch on the depth. This year they drafted three offensive linemen all in the sixth round. But guys from good programs, guys that seem like classic Packers picks that turn in to legitimate O-linemen down the line – uh, they got John Runyon Jr., son of John Runyon, who used to be in the NFL, played in Michigan. They got Simon Stepniak, and they got Jake Hansen. Um, solid players. I think they're going to offer good depth. And then they have Lane Taylor, who's one of the better offensive line, uh, backup offensive linemen in the entire league. He's plenty of experience. And then you have Lucas Patrick and Alex Light, who have both played pretty extensively throughout the last couple years. So... They're set up at starting, and they're set up, I think, pretty well with their depth. So I got up a Packers at one. I'm going to go with the Lions at two, Bears three, Vikings last. And that covers that covers everything for tonight, guys. Anything you guys want to close out the show with real quick um, before we head out? Everyone, just drop your handle again on Twitter. Uh, Max.
1: Yeah, so you can follow me uh, for Bears content at Max Markham NFL.
2: You can follow me, uh, Brett, at um, MN Vikes Central, or at my personal, it's in my bio, at Brett Vikes.
3: Yeah, and you can find me at Max Gerbs on Twitter. Also, read my stuff at LionsWire.usatoday.com.
0: And I was your host tonight, Eli Berkovitz. Once again, you could find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Make sure to give the podcast a follow at SplitDivPod on Twitter. And for everyone out there listening on Apple Podcasts, we would really, really love any reviews you have on the show, whether you want to write a written review or just leave a star rating. We appreciate any kind of feedback, and we appreciate everyone for coming out and listening, and have a great night. We'll see you next week.